Thank you. Appreciate that. Turn your Bibles, please, to the book of New Testament book of James, chapter four. James, chapter four. It's good to see each and every one of you in the Lord's house today, and those who are listening. And I encourage whoever's preaching to take notes. And I want to really encourage you to take notes today. I'm continuing my mini series. A series is like twelve weeks. This is going to be a mini series. A mini series on prayer, as you may know. Uh, Pastor Rice and I switch off on Sundays. Sometimes he'll teach the adult class, which he did today, and I'll preach at 11. Next week will be the opposite. Normally he preaches on Sunday night and Wednesday night. So when I'm going to be preaching the next few times, I'm going to be preaching on the subject of, of prayer. And I suppose they're all important. And prayer is essential, as we all would agree. But I think this message today... I guess it's my favorite, kind of, because it kind of helps us all. And I think, if I'm right, I believe I am, that every Christian who prays struggles with what we're going to talk about today or has struggled with that. And so I want to talk this morning about the subject of unanswered prayer. Now, most of us, under most circumstances, we don't have a problem with answered prayer, do we? Especially when it's answered the way we want it. I love those are my favorite ones. Or sometimes the answer is no. By the way, no is an answer, you know. You should teach your kids that. No is an answer. It's not the one you want, but it is an answer. So God is answering that prayer. It's no. I don't like those as well. But that's for another day. I'm talking about the unanswered prayers, and all Christians know about that, I am sure. And again, one of the things about unanswered prayer, if we're not careful, because it's not answered, we tend as human beings to say, well, okay, I'm going to quit praying about it. You do not need to raise your hand, but I'm sure that's true of everybody here. And the problem with that is, well, there's several problems. One, when you stop praying about whatever it is, the devil goes good. Let me give you one example. We're praying for our nation. Almost every church, we pray for our nation, for our leaders. And some people might say, well, pastor, instead of things getting better, they're getting worse. And I understand that. But you see, the devil wants you to stop praying, whatever it is. He goes, Good. Because he knows the power and the value of prayer. And so we tend to stop. So don't stop. Unanswered prayer. In James chapter 4 and verse 3. And I'm going to give you the, some of the answers for unanswered prayer. So those I want you to I'm encourage you to write those down. If you're at home or here. The first part of, of James 4, 3 says this. Ye ask and receive not. To me, here James raises the question of the prayers God does not answer. In my thinking, we would have known this fact even if James had not mentioned it because unanswered prayer is our own experience and it's the experience of the Word of God. I'm giving you some examples this morning out of the Word of God because it's not just me and my own life and you and your life. It's guys in the Bible who are people like you and me who experience the same Thing. What better illustration can we go to than the Bible? 
And so we may ask the question when we don't receive, well, is God unfaithful? Now, we can't read into the minds of the people in the Bible, but surely a couple of them had to be thinking that. Now, they didn't vocalize it. It's not written down in the Bible always. But is God really unfaithful? And we quickly think, and no, that's not true. He is faithful. But for a moment, we slip once in a while, don't we? All of us. We may ask ourselves, are his promises undependable? Again, for just a moment, we might lose sanity. And then we stop and think, well, no, that's not true. They are dependable. So how do we reconcile these two scriptures this morning? The one where Jesus said in Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive. And then in James 4, again, my opinion is he's talking about you ask, but you have not. In other words, unanswered prayer in my thinking. So how do we reconcile these two? So I want us to help us this morning to think a little bit because this is a common problem. And you can identify with it. I can identify with it. I can identify with it. And so can you. And if if we don't get some scriptural understanding, it might cause us to stop, which is the worst thing you can do. If saved people are not praying for this nation, who is? And we know that God, in his word, moves and acts. A-C-T-S, acts. In relation to the prayers of his people. It's that simple. So here's, here's some of the thoughts and answer to our question. How do we reconcile these two verses? And we think about unanswered prayer. <clears throat> the first thing I want to think about this morning is some prayers are better unanswered. Some prayers are better unanswered. Now we've all asked for God for prayers, and he answers them. We're so grateful and thankful, and it proves God's faithfulness. It encourages others to pray when they hear someone else praying, and they ask, and they received. Many times it's resulted in the salvation of souls, even if you pray for somebody to be saved, and somebody else talk to them. If you're thinking right, you rejoice over that. But... <clears throat> There are some prayers we have prayed, mine and yours, that God has not answered, at least as we think humanly speaking. I think of another preacher. He hasn't answered all of mine, by the way. I think of another preacher who thanks God for answered prayer. His name is Elijah. So what do you mean by that? Do you remember the story of Elijah, or you may may or may not remember the story of Elijah? Elijah got so depressed He had an anxiety attack. One day, he went out in the woods, sat under, the Bible says, a juniper tree, whatever juniper tree is. It's a tree. He sat under a tree, and he prayed. What did he pray? God, kill me. Now, did he mean it? I think he did. Could God kill him? Of course, if he gives life, he could take life. And he, he, he prayed that prayer. Even the great Elijah, who the Bible says he recorded 14 recorded miracles. I don't know of one that I've done. Truly, he had 14 recorded the scriptures. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Elijah had seven. Elisha had 14 because he asked God for double portion. So two times seven is 14. I stand corrected myself. He has seven still. How many miracles have you performed? And so this is the guy who said, you know what, God, 
Just go ahead and take me. I'm done. We would say, I'm done. I said, take my life, kill me, get me out of the way. That's a prayer that he prayed, and God didn't answer it. Sometimes it's good that God does not answer prayer. <clears throat> Specifically in relation to Elijah, first let me say that God in his mercy did not answer that prayer. God could answer the prayer, but in his mercy did not. And you may have prayers that God certainly can answer. We know that. We know God can answer prayer. That's why we pray to him. But sometimes God in his mercy doesn't answer those prayers. Now, in my thinking, even as Elijah was praying this prayer, God, take me, kill me, end my life, God, in my mind, was already preparing the chariot for Elijah to be taken up to heaven. But Elijah did not know that. The point is, if God would enter his prayer, he'd have missed out on that chariot trip. Follow me? Now, have any of you taken a ride on a fiery chariot to heaven? Now, I've been on some rides at Cedar Point, and I like Cedar I like some of those rides. I don't know if I'm going to be there this year, but I like some of those rides. <clears throat> Ain't nothing like riding on a fiery chariot to heaven from earth, and he'd have to pay for it. But if God would enter his prayer, he wouldn't have had that little trip. He'd have missed out. He had missed out on going to his home in glory at that time, and his dead body would probably just been laying there beside that tree that he prayed about to memorial to others of his prayer what a poor end to that preacher who was the hero of mount carmel that really would have spoiled his life are you listening we're talking about prayer unanswered prayer we're talking about bible examples elijah's prayer that would have spoiled his life it would end in his life it would have spoiled his life think about it his life would have been overshadowed by defeat in this wilderness. No, God did not answer Elijah's prayer. And Elijah's walking the streets of heaven today thanking God, I believe, that his prayer wasn't answered. Are you with me? Are you listening out there? <laughs> I know you are, but I mean, is everybody listening? I mean, it's kind of commonsensical, but we don't relate to us. I'm not Elijah. You're not Elijah. But the principle's the same. Sometimes they're better off left unanswered. And we have to leave that to him. Well, I bet you Elijah said, thank you, 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 thank you. I like the chariot trip. I like this place called heaven. Thank you, God, thank you. Now I'm reading between the lines to understand that. But I think there's some reality in that. I think of the example of the nation of Israel in Numbers, uh, about chapter 14. Where they said, would God we had died in the wilderness? What they were, in essence, what they were saying was, we're going to pray that God would just kill us here in the wilderness. Go back and read it in Numbers chapter 14. Now, in this case, God answered their prayer in judgment. Because the Bible says there, he said in wrath, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do unto you. Okay, you want to die in the wilderness? Okay, I'm going to take you up on it. That's in essence what happened. And the Bible says that generation died in the wilderness just as they had prayed. So be careful what you pray for. Not what you wish for, what you pray for. Some prayers are better not answered. <clears throat> in my opinion, had they not prayed that prayer, God would not have left them in the wilderness. I mean, that's just me. I could be wrong. 
Sometimes God speaks through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit to, to those who don't know him as personal Savior. And he speaks to them and convicts them, and they say, no, I'm not going to pray that prayer. I'm not going to ask Christ into my heart. Yet God in his mercy doesn't answer their prayer. He keeps working on them. He keeps softening their heart. He keeps tendering them. He is infinite in his love and his patience. He still speaks to hearts, still draws them to himself. And they ought to thank God that some prayers are not answered. Their prayer of not, I don't want Christ, I'm not interested. Looking back, you may think of some in your own individual life that you have prayed. And at the time you don't understand them. But in time, sometimes we do, we do understand them in time. Another thing about answer prayer, sometimes the answer comes unrecognized. Sometimes the answer comes unrecognized. You and I don't, aren't consciously aware of it. We ask, and God gives, but we sometimes the answer is right before us. We don't even open our eyes, so to speak, to see that answer. We look for the answer to come through the front door. Maybe God goes to the back door. Are you listening? <clears throat> I'm talking about unanswered prayer. See, we have this way figured out that we think it should be. I'm praying this prayer. This is how God's going to do it. Really? Since when do you tell God what to do? We do, don't we? We all do. To a degree. But God's not obligated to do it the way we want. And many times he does not do it the way we want. He does it his way. I think of the, the New Testament book of Acts chapter 12 where there was a man called <clears throat> Peter. Remember Peter? One day Peter was in prison. And you may or may not remember the story, but it's in Acts chapter 12. Peter was in prison. And the church made the right move. They decided to pray that he'd get out of prison. Hey, I hope you'll be praying that for me and Pastor Rice, but who knows? I say that carefully and, and fearfully. But that's exactly what was it. Isn't that true? Actually, Peter was in prison, and the church said, we're going to pray, and we're going to have an all-night prayer meeting. Go back and read it in Acts chapter, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 12. Matter of fact, let me read just five verses, not the whole story. We're talking about Unanswered prayer, we're talking about sometimes the answer comes unrecognized. Acts 12, 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. If you look at it carefully, it was during the night. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now listen, verse 15, Acts 12, 15. And they, who's they? The people that were praying. All night, the church had all night prayer meeting. They're praying. And Rhoda says, hey, Pete's here. And they said unto her, those who were praying said unto Rhoda, you, thou art mad. Do you understand what's going on here? They're telling this poor girl she's a loony bin. But she constantly affirmed that it was even him. 
Oh, I recognize his voice. I know Peter. It is him. I'm telling you guys, it's him. And this, I'm reading between the lines. Maybe she, maybe she said, sometimes children are smarter than adults. Isn't that why we're here tonight? <clears throat> Isn't that why we're praying that he'd get out of prison? God's answering our prayers, you numbnuts. No, I don't know if she said that. Then said they, they who? The people who were praying. The church, this was just some people out in town. People in town want to be in prison. They don't want to hear Peter have him out preaching the gospel. The ones who were praying of the church. Those are the ones. <clears throat> they said, it is his angel. Now, you know, I don't know all that angelology stuff and Everybody says, people say, well, everybody has an angel. I'd like to see the verse for that. <clears throat> oh, an angel camped on the front of your car. That's why you get in a wreck. I believe God protected me, but show me a verse for that. So I don't know what all they meant by that. Don't miss the point. We're talking about unanswered prayer, not why they said it was an angel. Oh, it's not really him. It's just somebody looks like it's his angel. These are adults talking to a child. You think it might scarred her a little bit, spiritually, emotionally? <clears throat> But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, Peter, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Ba-boom! What were they praying for? <clears throat> Hello, earth to you church people praying all night. I mean, what they did was a wonderful thing. Don't misunderstand. The church was praying all night for Peter to get out. And Peter, and Peter didn't say, I got myself out. I outsmarted the jailer. He said, the Lord did it. I bet there was, this is me now, I bet there was silence. All these adults standing around thinking, oh, we've been praying for this quite a while. It's dark, we've been here. <clears throat> and we prayed for Peter to get out. And he got out, and we didn't even recognize it. Dumbass. I don't know anybody said that, but the point is <clears throat> they didn't even recognize God answered their prayer. Now, I kind of think sometimes we might identify with them. Sometimes we might pray and we think God didn't, we don't recognize God answered their prayer. We think it's unanswered. You know what they were saying to this girl? God didn't answer that prayer. That's not him. Yeah, we're praying for him to get out, but that's not him. They were wrong. And of course, we never do this. There's only one way for God to do it. The way we think that he's supposed to do it. Now, this is, this is conjecture. But I think it fits this story, and I think it's somewhat realistic. <clears throat> I believe one or two of these people might have thought this. Well, you know how God's going to do it? Peter, by the way, is supposed to be, has his head chopped off the next day. If you go back and read it carefully, he's supposed to get his head chopped off. So they're thinking, somebody had to, you know what? He's going to be up in that chopping block, and God's going to perform a miracle. The thing's going to come down, it's not going to work, it's not going to cut his head off. And he's going to get up and walk away. Or some other version of that story. 
That's the way God's going to do it. The problem was there's nothing to substantiate that. That was their own mind. Now, don't tell me that you've never, in your own mind, you can smile, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to raise your hand, say amen or anything. Don't tell me you've never thought this is how God's going to do it. I'm praying about this. This is how he's going to do it. It is how you want him to do it, maybe. And, and if that would have happened the way somebody thought that, <clears throat> that certainly would be miraculous. But God doesn't always work the way we think he should work, or he doesn't always work the miraculous. Could God make that, that when that blade came down, could God made the blade not work? Of course he could. He could have done it that way. But he never said that. And what they were praying for was him to give out. Not how he's going to get out. But in their mind, somebody had to be thinking that. In a group of Baptist people in the Baptist church praying, somebody had to be thinking something like that. And we do too. Well, and, and, and that's why they said, oh, that's not him. No, God's going to do it some other great, miraculous, and mighty way. You know, kind of like opening the Red Sea that's pretty miraculous. God didn't do it that way. And so we need to think about that. Be careful. Another thing is the answer may only be delayed. Now, all of us are impatient. Some are worse than others. And we're all impatient when it comes to prayer because we pray about stuff that we can't take care of ourselves. If you can take care of it yourself, you don't need to pray. So we pray about things we can't change, we can't take care of, and we want and expect God to jump to it. I don't know where we get the verse for that because there is not one. God has to move exactly right now. When I say, But when God tells me to jump, I say, let me think about it, Lord. Are you with me? I mean, and God makes it very plain. Even some of God's choices, servants, God has made it very plain to them. Remember a fellow named... Uh, Jonah, did God make it very explicitly, specifically plain to that boy what he's supposed to do? Yes, he did. Go to Nineveh, preach the bidding, preach the bidding that I bid thee. You don't even have to come up with a sermon. I'm going to give you the sermon, Jonah. What did he say? He said, I ain't going to do it. The answer may be delayed. <clears throat> Do you remember a guy in the New Testament named Zacharias? He was the father of John the Baptist. Now, if you go back and study the whole, we're not going to do it this morning, the whole thing very carefully. Zacharias prayed that he would have a son. So how do you know? Because the Bible says an angel came to him at one point and said, Thy prayer is heard. In other words, we heard it. We've been hearing it. We're aware of it. And I think Zacharias probably nearly fell, fell over he must have felt like saying what prayer. But he had prayed that for so long that he had almost forgotten it. The answer came, but it was delayed really almost a lifetime. Think of that for a moment. <clears throat> Years ago in England, there was a man named George Mueller. George Mueller was truly a Christian man. He ran an orphanage and everything, so on and so forth. There's a lot of stories about George Mueller. But this, is, this one relates to our message today. George Mueller had two men that he had prayed for for over 25 years to be saved. 
Well, some of us say, 25 years, what? You give up on the guy. He didn't. As a matter of fact, he, when he died, one of those men was saved at his funeral. Isn't that interesting? And two years later, the other man was saved. The point is he prayed for all those years for to be saved, and God delayed the answer. Now, George knew it because he was in heaven. We know all things. But in his lifetime, he died, and those two guys hadn't been saved yet. But God did answer his prayer. It was just delayed. Sometimes our prayers may be, may be delayed. Now, we don't like them. Who likes red lights? <clears throat> and if you go to Florida, I think they're the worst state in the world for red lights. You can get gray hair waiting for a red light in Florida. If you've been to Florida, you know what I'm talking about. I don't know why they're so long down there. So I'm not going back for a while because I'm impatient. <clears throat> Here's another man in the Bible who waited 1,500 years for God to answer his prayer. Do you remember a guy named Moses? Let me explain what I'm saying. Moses asked God to let him set foot in the Holy Land, but God at that time did not grant his desire. Centuries later, the door of heaven opened in the New Testament. We read that Moses and Elijah stepped down on the Mount of Transfiguration in Palestine. So when he set his foot on that land, God fulfilled that prayer, answered that prayer, that he prayed approximately 1,500 years before. You think about Wrap your mind around that a minute. When God did, why does God delay? Let me ask, let me turn it around. Why do we delay? Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Why do people wait? Why do we wait to serve the Lord? Well, when I get old, what does that mean? How old's old? It's relative, isn't it? <clears throat> when God delays, there's always a wise purpose. You see, we don't know the purpose always we don't understand the purpose we don't agree with the purpose but god's smarter than you and me i don't know why god delayed that prayer for him for 1500 years number one it's none of my business and none of your business and god has his purpose <clears throat> and if you've lived long enough and prayed long enough you know in your own experience sometimes god waits delays and then it clicks to you oh now i know why he waited now I know why this, but the problem at the time you don't get it and you get frustrated. Years ago, there was also a man, he was a Christian man, he, I don't know if we'd agree with him on doctrine, but he was kind of a wild man. We might think of him as a Pentecostal today. His name was Billy Bray, B-R-A-Y, and he was a minor, and he also became a preacher and had this little church in the country, and he needed a pulpit, and he asked the Lord to give him a pulpit. And so he had, in their money, six shillings, which is not very much. He went to this auction, and the short version is some guy knocked him out, paid seven shillings, and he lost it. He didn't get that one. On his way home, the very same day, he was going home, and he walked by this bar where these guys were trying to get this piece of furniture in this door, and they were having trouble. They were all frustrated. And finally he says, hey, I'll give you six shillings for that. <clears throat> it's okay. It's yours, Billy. 
Then he said, and, by the way, would you give me the horses and the carriage to bring it to my church? He didn't have the money to hire it. Well, he had six shillings. And they said, okay. So God not only answered his prayer from the pulpit, he supplied the horses and the things so he could get it to there. But at the time, I wonder what he thought when that guy bought it for seven shillings, he only had six. His heart might have, he was a human being, his heart might have sunk just a little bit. Another thing, the conditions may not have been fulfilled. You see, we, th- we think of God as we tell him what to do, we ask what we want, we get it what we want. It doesn't work that way. There are certain conditions that have to be met for prayers to be answered, and really, the choices of God's blessings are conditional. We would use the words, if, then. If, then. And so I think there are several conditions I want to give you just three for sake of time. One of those conditions is we must ask with a clean heart. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Not that he cannot, he will not. Unconfessed sin. So you could pray all day long, we would say to your blue in the face. If you've got unconfessed sin, it probably is not going to happen. Who knows if you've unconfessed sin? God in you. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, who are we confess them to? Not the priest and not me. Him. All our sins are against him. So you confess them to him. Now you may need to talk to somebody and get it right if you've offended someone. But really, we confess the sins to him. He's the one that forgives them. But to knowingly be Harboring some sin and not confessing that and ask God to forgive us may hinder your prayer life, hinder that answer you want. And you say, oh, I'm praying, 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 praying. Yeah, but you're hiding some sin in your heart. God's not going to hear it. Another condition is we must ask with a compelling plea. What is the argument that moves God to answer prayer? Is it our desperate need? Is it our much asking? Is it the joy and comfort the answer will give us? Those are all good reasons and arguments to present to God. Certainly there is. But there's one compelling, surpassing them all, one that never fails to move God, and that is that Jesus Christ may be glorified through this answer of prayer. We use the word to the glory of God, all of God's glory. Those are correct words, but God will answer prayer for Jesus' sake. His glory is our one prevailing plea. Sometimes a woman may ask God to save her husband because he's a rascal. And he's hard to get along with. Not a bad prayer, but that's a good thing, and you should do that. If you're in that case, <clears throat> Jesus died for him, wants to save him, et cetera, et cetera. But are you praying for him to get saved so he'll quit being a rascal? Or are you praying for him to be saved that God would get the glory he'd save him? Save a rascal. You follow, follow the difference? They're not wrong reasons to pray for him to be saved, but the compelling one to be that Christ would get the glory. Who saves him? The one who forgives sins is the one who saves Jesus. So he gets the glory, not you, not me. We also must ask with a conquering faith. There in James chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that waveth, wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Wow, a couple wild verses, huh? James 1, 6, and 7. 
To waver in faith is to hinder the answer. Now let's think about this for a minute. The waves of the sea. We don't have, we don't have oceans around here. If you think we do, I need to talk to you after church. The closest thing we got is Lake Erie, which the truck drivers call that the mistake on the lake. No, that's Cleveland. Cleveland's a mistake on the lake. We don't have oceans. You think of the waves. The waves of the sea are at the mercy of the wind. Wherever the wind blows, <clears throat> the wave goes. The Christian who believes one day that the answer will come and the next day because of unfavorable circumstances. He begins to doubt. He's unstable in his faith and will not receive the answer. <clears throat> the man who really believes is not affected by circumstances. In other words, how you see it, how it looks. By the way, that's why we pray. If we can fix it ourselves, we don't need to pray. Just fix it, whatever it is. His faith remains unshaken no matter which way the wind blows. And that kind of a faith, I think, is a conquering faith. We're talking about unanswered prayer and understanding it. That faith is independent of circumstances. We say, well, you don't know my circumstances. And maybe people don't. But God does. And John says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Another thing is, <clears throat> unoffered prayer is the greatest cause of unanswered prayer. Let me say that again, even for me. Unoffered prayer is the greatest cause of unanswered prayer. Again, in James chapter 4 and, and verse 2, the last part of the verse, you have not because you ask not. My friends, we do not receive more because we do not ask. Sometimes it's that essential. <clears throat> Prayer in its simplest form is simply asking and receiving from God in the simplest form. It really is. Sometimes we don't have the problem solved, the need met, because we haven't prayed about it. You know what we're good at? Figuring it out ourselves. Oh, we might say a little prayer, and then we go about to figure it out to help God out. I've done it a time or two without even realizing. If I consciously realized, I'd say, oh, God, forgive me. And you would too. Unasked prayer will be unanswered prayer. Well, we sometimes say, well, did you pray about this? And sometimes we need to be real careful, not be judgmental. But, but tr it is true that sometimes <clears throat> people don't pray about it, so nothing happens. It's not hard to understand. We also read in James chapter 5 and along about verse 16, it says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's great value in it. Prayer is certainly important. What an awesome responsibility to us when we don't ask. You don't ask, you don't receive. There's one prayer that is always answered, and it's answered immediately. The prayer of salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. There's never been one time that God hadn't said no. When a person re repents of sin, believes in Christ to save them, and they trust him to save them, and they ask him to save them, God always says, yes, I will. 
I will. I will. By the way, it's him that's doing the saving. It's not you and me. We pray for people to be saved. <clears throat> but it's actually him that does the saving. He wants them to be saved. Peter said he's not willing that any should perish. But this all should come to repentance. We should kind of work on that. Ask God to help us to have that attitude. I've heard people say, and I shudder when they say, oh, listen, they deserve hell. So do you and me. Excuse me, you and I, <laughs> when you really think about it. But there's been no exception to people calling his name and asking to be saved. We, we say the word, say this prayer, repeat after me, whatever. It's a prayer to ask God to save them. <clears throat> there's no exception. Unanswered prayer. Oh, it could go on and on, but I'm not going to this morning. But all praying Christians have experienced this challenge, if I can say it that way, of unanswered prayer. So I hope that I hope you understand for the purpose of keep on praying. Because don't get discouraged about things. Remember again, I've referred to Luke 18, 1 recently, where Jesus said, And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men, meaning mankind, men ought always to pray and not to faint. In other words, not to stop. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Faint. Don't faint. Don't stop. Maybe you need to pray the prayer of salvation to trust him as your Savior today. <clears throat> Maybe listening. We have a lot of people listen. I've had people tell me, I listen, I, I've been watching. Great, maybe you've never trusted him to save you. Pray that prayer and ask him to save you today and now, and he will. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. Unanswered prayer. Oh, there's so much more we could say. Father, speak to every and every heart in the auditorium. Bless the junior church class, bless the nursery today. Bless those who are listening at home. I pray that these few words... And few thoughts will be of help to your people. And for those who have never prayed the prayer of salvation, they will pray that prayer and trust you even today, now, and not wait. We pray in Jesus' name with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, the penis begins to play. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe God's challenging in this matter of prayer. This is the last Sunday of the, of the first month of the new year. Maybe you've become discouraged about things you prayed about because it didn't work out the way you want them to. Well, wait just a moment. Trust in a Savior. Maybe you need to pray for somebody that you that you want to be saved, that you want to influence them. While we wait just a moment. <clears throat> Kneel at the cross is a song. That's the answer. That's the answer to many of our problems. All right, we'll bring invitation to conclusion. Thank you, BC.